I want to get into um, some things that have been on my heart, and I don't know where this is going to go in the next couple of weeks, but I wanted to get into uh, the subject of faith and hope. Amen? And I want to marry the two subjects together. Is that all right? So that when we leave here today, and, and hopefully we have this assurance, and I know we do, but hopefully this can cement it a little bit more in us. I want to make a distinction between hope and faith, but I also want to, again, marry those two things, because hope and faith equals receiving. Amen? And uh, I'm not trying to throw out catchphrases or anything like that, but um, when our faith is correct, and that is exclusively in Jesus Christ, who he is and what he did at the cross for us, amen, and our hope, and that's married with hope, and that is a confident expectation that God's going to move in our life, amen, I believe that those are the keys to receiving from God. And I don't know about you, but I can speak for myself that I haven't received anything anywhere close to what God really has in store for me, amen? And, uh, and we can go down the line. When we talk about receiving, that can be finances. I hate to throw that one out there first, but it, God's a, God blesses us in that regard. Health, healing, amen. Um, I want to receive the fruit of the Spirit, praise the Lord. I want to be able to walk more in His love. I want to receive more of His love for me. I want to understand it more, amen. And I want it to operate and flow through me more. Um, joy, hallelujah. I'm a pretty happy dude, but... Um, got three kids, amen? Not always. No, I joke. But I want to receive these things, right? And um, uh, I might get into this in another session, um, perhaps next week or whatnot. Uh, I think understanding how hope and faith are married, as, as well as having a heart that's free of guilt and condemnation, if we can live that way, free of guilt and shame and condemnation, we have the faith object correct, and we have a hope, or that is an expectation, I believe that the sky's the limit with how much we can receive from God, spiritually, number one, uh, physically, emotionally, amen. Um, does anybody want to receive more? Amen. Does anyone want, want more of God, want more of his fruit, want more of his patience and his peace and his, uh, the inheritance that he has for us. Amen. So, you know, hopefully I, I want to just read a few verses. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny cause I've been putting this together and I'm not quite sure where it's all going, but, um, I want to hopefully again, bring these subjects together. And so I, uh, I want to start in Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to read verses one through four. I'm going to break down some things and we're going to go a couple different areas, but again, father, help us to hear, to see, and to receive this good word, Father, uh, that much, for, much fruit would come forth. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. So if anyone's listening outside of this building, and I know there are, we're in uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 11. We're going to read verses 1 through 4, and then we're going to break some things down. So it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered up 
to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet is speaking. Hallelujah. I wasn't going to start right here in verse 4, but I think this is, a, this is an awesome thing that this finishes with. First of all, Abel obtained the witness from God that he was righteous. Hallelujah. We're talking about the first family in the Bible, right? Adam and Eve and then Cain and Abel. And it says God testifying of his gifts, meaning God uh, recognizing and communicating what his gift was, and that was the sacrifice that he brought to God. Amen? How many of you know Abel brought a lamb? Uh, uh, it says a heifer. It says it was the first of his flock and that it was spotless. And can I get an amen that the sacrifice that Abel brought to God was a type and shadow of the cross? Amen. And so it was witnessed by God of his gifts, God testifying essentially that it was the correct thing. That's important for us to know. Amen. And uh, uh, he also obtained the witness from God that he was righteous because of this offering. Can I get an amen? And I like this. It says, and, and by it, that offering, he, Abel being dead, yet is speaking. Amen. How many of you know, again, I, I, I say this all the time, the ETH, this is like a living word. It's, it's happening right now. It's continuous. So what this means is that Abel, through the sacrifice that he brought, is still speaking to you and me that it was the correct offering. God testified that it was the correct offering. Amen. And I say this every week, and I will never say it. I will never not say it. Amen. It's the sacrifice. Hallelujah. And when we're talking about faith in the Bible, we're talking about the sacrifice of Jesus. Hallelujah. Can I get an amen that the Bible is the story of who Jesus is and what he did for us? Hallelujah. Now, I can, I can broaden that and say the Bible is the story of God's plan of redemption, but that'd be the same thing. We'd, we'd still be talking about the sacrifice of his son. Amen? That's the power of God. Hallelujah. The Bible is the story of that God so loved us that he gave his son. Amen? That he gave up his son. Hallelujah. And again, I want this teaching here today to just cement a little bit more that when our faith is in Jesus and what he did for us, hallelujah, God is recognizing that as a gift. It's an offering to God. It's a praise offering. It's a worship offering to God, recognizing the sacrifice, amen, and uh, the narrative, if you want to say it that way, the subject of the Bible is that God so loved us that he gave up his son for us, hallelujah, amen. So when I say faith and when we say faith, I want to uh, use these verses to, to, again, bring out the subject of faith, the object of faith, and marry it with hope, because a lot of, uh, a lot of what's been taught as faith is really the biblical definition of hope. And I'm going to explain that as we go on here, but again, I want to bring some, some things out here. Um, I want to first say, because I just said what I just said, hope is not a reference to just like the way we flippantly use the word in English, like, well, I hope this works out, or I hope that works out. 
You know what I mean? Hope is a confident expectation that God's salvation is going to affect our lives. Amen. I'm not talking about his born-again experience. I'm not talking about the day we got saved. I'm talking about the all-encompassing salvation of God, which is what we are hoping to receive. Amen. Because God's salvation uh, uh, includes health and healing. Again, deliverance from, from enemies, deliverance from the enemy, victory in our lives, right? God's salvation is the provision of his joy and his peace and his love and his long-suffering. Amen. The inheritance that is whatever we have need of, God will add it unto us. Can I get an amen? So, so a confident expectation that these things are going to overcome and affect our lives. Amen. Again, I want more of what God has for me. Amen. I, want, I need more heart change. Hallelujah. I, I need more, uh, 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 a greater uh, victory in my everyday walk with God. Hallelujah. I need more of his joy. I need more of his peace and his patience and these things. So in a religious sense, I don't, that's the definition of the word, but of course I don't like to use that word religious, but, but just in a relationship with God, we have a confident expectation that what he promised will come to pass in our life. Can I get an amen? Okay, so that's what hope is, right? That's what we just, that's what we just checked out. And a lot of times I think we think that's what faith is. Faith is the confident expectation that God's going to move in my life. Well, yes and no. And this is where I want to marry the two together. Because we need, how many, we need a confident expectation that God's going to move in our life. Right? I need to be confident that no matter how knuckleheaded I am, that God's still good and he still wants to bless me. Amen? So I want to again marry these two together. So now let's look at the word faith. The word faith uh, is a noun. Again, a thing. Amen. It has an object. Faith requires an object. Hallelujah. And it, ha it, it really refers to belief with the predominant idea of trust. Amen. I want to say these words because I want to make sure that we digest them. Belief. We got to believe something. Amen. With the predominant idea really of then trusting in that thing that we believe. Amen. It has the idea of persuasion. Reliance, dependence, amen, obedience. Let's look at the full definition here. And it comes from a, 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 a verb, but anyway, we're going to look into this real quick. Faith of religious truth or the truthfulness of God, especially reliance upon Christ for salvation. Amen. Uh, abstractly, it, uh, where is that? Uh, excuse me, by extension, oh, no, excuse me, abstractly, it, it is constancy in such profession. Amen. Christ died and rose from the grave. My faith is not going to waver from the finished work of Jesus. It's a constant profession in my life. Amen. Uh, by extension, it's the system of gospel truth itself. Hallelujah. In other words, the object, again, as we always say, is Christ and him crucified. I showed you here, or I said it here, but here's, here's the, one of the definitions of it. Belief with the predominant idea of trust, whether in God or in Christ, but it's the same thing, amen? So, faith is, I believe Jesus died and rose from the grave, amen? Now I have the trust in that finished work of Christ. I'm persuaded that God... All of his blessings are yes and amen in the sacrifice. Amen. 
And I therefore have the hope or confident expectation that these things are going to, going to affect my life. Is everyone following? Belief starts with the belief. We have to believe that Jesus died and rose from the grave. Amen? If I'm persuaded that he died and rose from the grave and that all of his blessings are yes and amen in that finished work, then here comes now trust. I now trust in that. Because God in his word is telling me, I've blessed you with all I can bless you with. There's nothing more to bless you with. There's nothing less to bless you with. It's in what Jesus did for us at the cross. We believe that. I'm persuaded of that. I now therefore trust rely and depend on what Jesus did for me. And that gives me the hope, the confident expectation that God's salvation is going to affect my life. Amen? So it's not my, it's not my like ability to believe. That's, what, that's not what faith is. Faith is that I believe that Jesus died and rose from the grave, and I choose to therefore trust in that because I want to receive from God. I have a hope. How many of you have a need in here? And we don't have to say what the need is unless you want to say what the need is. Does anybody have a need in here today, right now? I do. Amen. How many of us have always received perfectly? That Don't answer the question because none of us has ever received always perfectly from God. Amen. It doesn't quite happen as in the time that we would like it to happen. Amen. But that's where sometimes, many times it has in our life. But I'm just saying there's a patience that comes with this as well. If we don't receive from God... Right now, it doesn't mean Jesus didn't die and rise from the grave. It doesn't mean Jesus didn't provide what we have need of. Amen? Amen. But we must know, and I say this all the time, but I'm going to say it again. And I like the chair analogy because how many of you know this chair was intended to give me rest? Amen. Well, how many of you know, among a million other things, the cross was intended to give us rest? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What does that mean? Well, one, I don't have to work for salvation for my born-again experience. But two, as a believer, I don't have to bend over backwards like a puppet or a, or a robot to try to please God anymore. Hallelujah. That's good news. Jesus said, all you who labor and are heavy laden. And, he, and those words mean to be bogged down with religious ceremony, going through the motions, trying to please God. How much, how much is enough? Amen. So the chair is intended to give me rest, right? How many of you believe that this will support me or you and will give you rest? We all believe that in here, right? And I know I've done this before, but I'm going to do it again. Amen. Because I believe it too. But is the chair doing anything for me right now? Why? Because I'm not trusting in it. If I was trusting in it, I'd be sitting in it. Amen. I just want to say, we, the entire church, believe, if you're a Christian, you have to believe that Jesus died and rose from the grave. It's not a, I just confessed Jesus, but I never really thought about his death and resurrection. I didn't go into it, but one of the words for faith here is to be convinced by argument, true or false. <laughs> he either is who he said he was and died and rose from the grave, or he was a liar, and, and none of it's true. Amen. Us in here are persuaded that Jesus died and rose from the grave. We believe that. Hallelujah. It says in 1 Corinthians, I'm not going to quote it or go into it, but it implies and very literally says that the cross can be of no effect in a believer's life. Is it because it's not the power of God? No, it's not because it's not the power of God. 
It's because if we're trusting in something other than the cross, how can we expect the benefits of the cross? Amen? Amen. I, you guys could hold the sheet. You could have two people hold a, a plastic bag right here, and I can try to sit in it, but it's not going to hold me. Amen. Because <laughs> it, it, this chair is intended to hold me. Now, that was a lame analogy, but we can look at a lot of things. See, I believe it, but if I don't take the next step to trust in it, how can I confidently expect it to do anything for me? Am I making sense? I know I want to keep this. If I, can, I can't expect this to unless I put my trust in it, even though I believe it will hold me. Amen? And the unfortunate truth, I think it's fortunate because it, we can expect the benefits of the cross when we're trusting in our church attendance and our Bible reading and our go down the list. When we're trusting in our works, how can we confidently expect God to move in our life because I showed him I could do it, whatever that was? Amen? I, I, that's impossible. Because if I can expect God to move in my life and receive from him because of something I do, then what's the purpose of this? Amen? And I think a lot of people, and I hope not in here, but listen, we're all in the same boat, guys. I think there are a lot of people that have a struggle with, I know there are, receiving from God. Amen. And that's because I, I think we have a misunderstanding. So that's why I'm taking this time again to lay this out. I believe this will hold me. And now when I trust in it, now I'm receiving its benefit. Right? How many of you know this chair is now affecting me and it's doing for me what it's supposed to do. Amen? So how many of you are persuaded that the cross brought every single blessing of God that could ever be brought? Amen? Amen. How many of you believe that Jesus died and rose from the grave? Hallelujah. Then are we going to commit every day to keep our eyes off of ourselves and what we do and commit to looking at Jesus and what he's done and making that choice every single day that I'm going to trust exclusively in what Jesus has done for me. I'm going to base my relationship with God on what Jesus has done for me, not what I do for him. Amen? And so I can confidently expect the benefits that this chair provides. But just confidently expecting them doesn't mean it's going to affect me. I'm not trying to get confusing. I'm just still trying to tie this together. I believe this chair will hold me. I believe this chair will hold me. But the chair's not going to slide itself under my derriere and, and can I get an amen? I don't know why I use that word or word. The chair, just believing that it's going to happen is not going to make it happen. I have to. That's what faith in an object is. Amen. Faith, it's action. It's being persuaded that it's going to hold me. It's believing that it will hold me, confidently expecting that it's going to affect me. But unless the trust is there, that's really what trust. Reliance, dependency, it's not my faith that gets God to move. It's what my faith is in. 
That's what the object, the object part of it. It says in Hebrews, or in Romans, I think it's chapter 11 or 10, that let no man think highly, more highly of himself than he ought, according as, as God has given every man the measure of faith. Now, I, I know it's taught differently in circle. I don't believe that's talking about he's given me a, a, a starting point to believe. No, it's talking about he's given everybody the same to believe in. Amen. He's given everybody the same thing to believe in. He didn't just start me off and then I build it up and show him. God has identified what it is that he wants his people to trust in. Hence, he testified of Abel's offering and said, this is what I'm looking for. But how many of you know Abel's offering was, a, again, a type and shadow of the offering that God would provide for mankind? See, God has given everybody the same thing to trust, rely, and depend on. And I used to say it every week, but I hope I just, I want to make it more clear. I want us to be that much more confident that it's, it's, it's what, it's not how much faith I have. It's not how much, it's what I'm trusting in. It's what I'm believing. It's what I'm persuaded of. Sometimes we think it's my faith that just gets God to move. No, no, no. God moved. Amen. The whole Bible is about God moving through the sacrifice of his son. That's it. Now, my trust can, can, can grow. Amen. I have a friend, and I trust him a little bit on, in the you know, first six months. He showed himself faithful. And how many of you know that trust can, can grow, can build? That's what faith is. We're not, it's not my ability I'm building up. It's my reliance upon this, the power of God. Amen. Jesus said in, I think it's John 12, 44, if you want to look it up, look it up. He said, he who is believing on me is not believing on me, but is believing on him who sent me. Amen. Because I don't want to disconnect God and the cross. Because I've had people literally say, well, you're, you're, taking, you're leaving God out of this equation. When I talk about the cross, he says, the cross is confusing me. It's condemning me. Where's God in this? Amen? God it was God's plan. And I just want to reiterate, John 12, 44, Jesus said, he who believes on me is not believing on me. He's believing on him who sent me. So when your faith is in what Jesus did, what Jesus was saying is your, your faith is actually in God, who you've never seen before. Amen? Jesus came and showed us who God is. <laughs> and he showed us how he works. That's good news, saints. If Jesus wouldn't have done what he's done, we could all believe that there's a God. But who's, yeah, whose opinion of him would be correct? We might get a little bit of, your opinions outside of Jesus, of God, might be a little bit correct, but how could it be totally accurate? There's people that believe in God that think he does bad things because he's trying to get something out of them. That's a wrong image of God. Amen? That's why John said, uh, uh, how's it go? No, essentially, the, obviously, Jesus is the very image of God. Um, 
John 1.18. 18. 18. No man has seen God at any time except the only begotten Son, Jesus, which is in the bosom of the Father. He, Jesus, has declared him. We've never seen God. How can we put our faith in a God that you're really not quite sure how he works or operates? Amen? But again, Jesus has declared him. And tying this back together, Jesus said, he who believes on me believes not on me, but believes on him who sent me. Amen. So coming back to the finished work of Jesus, we believe it. We're persuaded that his promises are yes and amen in it, in this act that he accomplished. Amen. I have a confident expectation that the cross is going to affect me. The cross is going to benefit me in the areas of my life that I'm expecting and, and hoping for. Amen? What gives me that hope? My trust in, in it, in the object. Hallelujah. My reliance upon the sacrifice of Jesus is what gives me the hope, the expectation that God is not a liar. Hallelujah. What he promised, he will perform it will come to pass in my life because of the provision of his sacrifice and, my, and he commanded me to trust in it. He commanded us, the just shall live by faith. Not it's, a, you know, up for discussion, right? It's a command. The just shall live by faith in what Jesus did. Hallelujah. Amen. That's why we can't flippantly throw around the word faith because we think it has something to do with, with me and my ability to believe. It's not. It's identifying the object it's, and it's faith in that object. It's not faith for, I don't believe for a promise of God. I believe in the sacrifice of Jesus and I confidently expect that the promise of God will take my life over. I confidently expect rest. Hallelujah. Because of who Jesus is and what he did. And I know that when I am trusting in what Jesus has done, I know that I'm pleasing to God. You know that, right? Because he said, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So I've taught this before, and, and we started late, so I'm going to go over a little bit. We'll get a bathroom break. We'll have a session in the second hour. I don't know what it's going to be. But I just want to show you, because this verse has been misinterpreted, in my opinion. So faith is this, verse 1. Here's what faith is. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Just hold that thought, okay, just so I can get the microphone for you. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. There you go. Ernie. I just wanted to share that the word substance, Hi, substance is something that is tangible, something that you can pick up and carry or count or pile up or whatever. It is a substance. And now we've tied something that is not a substance, and it has become a substance because God has said it is. Amen. I wasn't going to do it in this order, but I will now. 
was essentially just that, define what that word substance is. Real, real physical matter of which a person or thing consists, which has a tangible, solid presence. It means we're believing for something, excuse me, wrong words to use. We are hoping, meaning confidently expecting something to come, to, something that I don't have right now, I'm confidently expecting to have, and it will be tangible, and it will affect me, it, won't, it, it, it will, whether it's a material blessing or it's healing in my body, there will be evidence that it has occurred. Okay? Amen? So I want to just say this again. Faith, here's what faith is. It should, there should be a colon right there, but anyway. The substance of the things hoped for, the thing you're confidently expecting, is the evidence of the thing you haven't seen yet. And I've taught this before, but I want to show you this again, because we see the word things, and we think, well, just objects. I'm hoping for things, and if I hope enough, then those things will come to pass. That's not what he's saying here. This word things, there's a couple of different words that can be translated for the word things. This is not referring just to stuff. This, in fact, in most cases in the Bible, this word is translated a, a business affair, a matter, in this case, look at this, that which has been done, a deed, an accomplished fact, what is being done or accomplished, I want to say this again, that which has been done, amen, a deed, an accomplished fact, hallelujah, how many of you know Jesus said, blessed are you which sees and believes, but how much more blessed are they which don't see and yet believe? Amen. This word, as it's translated here, is talking about an accomplished fact, something that's already been done. It's talking about the finished work of Jesus. And I want to show you, because this word is used uh, a lot of times. It's, it's used in the scriptures. Again, it's usually an affair or matter or business. It's used three times Forgive me. It's used three times in translated things. But the only three times that it's translated things, let's see what it's referring to. I'm going back to Hebrews chapter 6. This word things is used in chapter 6, verse 18. I hope I'm not losing you or getting boring or something like that. Chapter 6, verse 13 of Hebrews. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely in blessing I will bless you, and in multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, Abraham, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Watch this. Wherein God... More abundantly, excuse me, wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed that counsel, counsel by an oath. I'm, what was the oath? Him, himself. But with Abraham, it was, the, the oath was the new covenant, the covenant itself. The test for Abraham to go sacrifice Isaac. 
And Isaac believed that God was going to, or excuse me, Abraham believed that God was going to raise Isaac from the dead. And it says in Hebrews 11 that it was through that that Abraham received Christ in a figure. The immutability of his counsel means the unchangeableness of his plan. Hallelujah. God was more willing, uh, more abundantly willing, willing more abundantly to show the heirs of promise the unchangeability of his plan. Amen. And he confirmed it by an oath. In the Old Testament, it was the representation of sacrifices. In the New Testament, this oath is the sacrifice of his son. The unchangeability of his counsel, he confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable, unchangeable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we have strong consolation or comfort who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. So the immutability or unchangeable of his plan or purpose is Christ and him crucified. He confirmed it by this oath, and it's impossible for him to lie. That's the two unchangeable things. His oath is unchangeable, and it's impossible for him to lie. That's unchangeable. Hallelujah. God, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Christ and him, God's never going to change because God promised his son, he promised the world his son, and he can't lie. So those two things, how many of you know Jesus was slain since before the foundation of the world? That's his oath. And he's, and he's, and he's told us, and he's uh, uh, through Abel, as we just saw, and through uh, Abraham and Moses, through the cloud of witnesses, he's continued to uh, 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 proclaim his word. Hallelujah. The immutability, the unchangeableness of his plan. His plan is Christ and him crucified. That's the oath. And the two unchangeable things are his plan that he promised and the fact that he can't lie. So we should have a strong consolation that what God promised will affect our lives. Amen. Okay, again, there's one other time this word is used in Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 1, for the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of that accomplished fact, that act, amen? See, this word things can, can confuse us. I hope I'm not confusing or, or, or getting anybody off. The law having a shadow of good things to come, but not the very image of that thing, watch, can never with what? Those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. Those sacrifices were the good things to come, but it wasn't the actual event. Are you following me? I feel like maybe we're... See, the sacrifices in the Old Testament were all a type and shadow. They were all a shadow of the good thing to come, the accomplished fact, the cross. Are you following me? See, we, this word things, it, it, it can just really lose us. We have to understand that this isn't talking about things. This is talking about an affair, a matter, an act, an accomplished fact, a deed. It's referring to what Jesus has done. Hence, those sacrifices can never with those sacrifices. Those sacrifices isn't the very act itself. They were a shadow of what would to be to come. Are you following me? And I hope you're learning something because here in, this is, we can misunderstand this. Only Jesus could be the perfect. And again, this was God's plan. Amen? Hallelujah. So faith 
I want to define this word things one more time. That which has been done, a deed, an accomplished fact, right? So I'm going to substitute that. Is it okay if I use that definition when we read this verse? So watch. Now faith is this. The substance of things hoped for, in other words, when those things become, when that, when, when that hope, that confident expectation that you have of whatever promise it is, when that becomes substance, amen, when you see healing manifest, that's the substance that you were hoping for, right? That substance that you were hoping for, when you receive it, that's the evidence of the accomplished fact that you never saw. Amen. The receiving of God's promises, that substance, when you receive that, that is the evidence of that thing you never saw, that accomplished fact you never saw. So faith is you're trusting, relying, and depending on that which you believe. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm persuaded that this was intended to give me rest. I, I confidently expect that this is going to give me rest. I trust in it, therefore, right? Hallelujah. Now, this is evidence that my faith in this chair works. <laughs> I don't know if I'm saying that's correct. This, this, the fact that I am, my feet are off the ground and, and I'm resting in this chair is evidence of my trust in the chair. The substance is I'm receiving rest. This very substance is evidence that even though I never saw Jesus die and rise from the grave, even though I wasn't there, and even though you and me weren't there, it's still an accomplished fact. Amen? My faith in this, the receiving of God's promise, whatever that may be in our life, is the evidence of the accomplished fact that we never saw, but yet we believe. Amen? Amen. For by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good report. Remember Isaiah said, who has believed our report? And then he goes on to preach the gospel. Right. Amen. Yes. Uh, I just want to give an illustration to see if this fits what you let me, said. Let me put this in the, in the uh, Abraham, Abraham was promised by God that he was going to have a son. Yes. The son would represent the substance of the promise. Yes. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. The evidence was not seen was he didn't have a son for 25 years. But what made it become reality, it was his faith in the promise, which is his, for Abraham, the evidence was God's promise of what he did not see. Yes and, and it, no. It, am I? Yeah, you're on the right path, but let me say this. It says in, in hold that so we can have a discussion. Yeah. In Galatians, it says that God preached the gospel to Abraham. Mm -hmm. The gospel is, 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 is the message of Christ and him crucified. If it says that God preached the gospel to Abraham, then what that means is that God said that there's going to be a sacrifice and that sacrifice is going to rise from the dead, okay? Then he said, your son's going to be that sacrifice. How can I gather all that? Well, look in Hebrews chapter seven, uh, 11 where we are and hold the mic so we can still discuss this. Mm -hmm. 11 verse 17, by faith Abraham, when he was tried or tested, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said by God that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, right? 
accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from wherein he received Jesus in a figure. So it wasn't just that Abraham believed that he was going to conceive, him and Sarah were going to conceive. It's that he believed that he was going to have to sacrifice this seed, and he believed that God was going to raise him from the dead. Look at the words, the only begotten son. It wasn't, Abraham, uh, uh, Isaac was number two. Amen. I don't think I need to say this, but I'll say it anyway. Can we agree? This is a type and shadow of Christ and him crucified, especially with the words only begotten son. So the promise was not only that you and Sarah will conceive, the promise went further than that. The promise was this seed that you conceive of is, is, or, or through this seed will come the Messiah. And it's going to be through a sacrifice. Hence, Abel offering a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, amen, to God, the sacrifice of a heifer without spot or without blemish, it was all a representation of Christ and him crucified. This word was being passed down. Uh, uh, I'm going to end in just two minutes. And I don't, is, is it okay if I just keep going right now? Sure. The, the, when Abraham and, uh, excuse me, when Adam and Eve sinned and fell short and hid from God because of their shame, what did God do? Sacrificed an animal and clothed him, clothed them, covering up their shame figuratively and clothing them with his righteousness. Can I get an amen? Just a minute. Go ahead, quick. Blood. Blood sacrifice. But not only that, God's covering. It was a type and shadow of God's righteousness. See, Adam and Eve were the first people here, so they couldn't have the gospel preached to them. God demonstrated the gospel to them. And what did they do? Well, how in the world did Abel know to bring a sacrifice? It was passed on through Adam and Eve. Cain brought the wrong sacrifice. He brought the work of his hands, which we often do. That's not good. But God's looking for a sacrifice, a blood sacrifice. So all through history, the gospel has been being preached. There will be a man. There will be a sacrifice. He will be sacrificed and he will raise from the dead. This word was passed on to Abraham. God himself said to Abraham, you're not only going to conceive, but this seed or through this seed will come the Savior. How will it happen? The sacrifice. Amen. Of all we just read in chapter 10, those sacrifices were a shadow of good things to come, but they weren't the actual event that would come. I hope this is tying together for us all. Amen. So faith is, I believe in the sacrifice. I believe in what God offered me. I'm persuaded of it. I, I'm convinced of it. I trust, rely, and depend on it. And I therefore receive his promises. And the receiving of those promises is the evidence of the truth of that sacrifice. Amen. And my faith being in it. Hallelujah. So I, I, I just want us to see that faith is, doesn't have a bunch of different definitions or it's not something I'm doing or, or, or just believing for. I have to believe it to be true. I have to be convinced Jesus died and rose from the grave, right? That's the first requ requirement to be saved is to believe that to be true, that he died on your behalf for your sins and you've got nothing else to trust in except that, right? Amen. See, we received our salvation, our born-again experience, by trusting in the cross. Amen? That's evidence that we receive everything that God has by trusting in the cross. Did you have more, Jim? 
Did you want to? Yes, um, it, it's because uh, I've been reading the 365-day Bible, so I'm in Genesis right now. So it's kind of clear luck, in my brother. mind. And um, I remember when Abraham was convinced, or at the time his name was Abram, when Abram was convinced that he was going to have a child because God um, promised it, God considered him righteous at that point before yeah. he even made a sacrifice for his son or was willing to sacrifice his son. Right. He was already declared righteous. Right. So what I'm asking for, did he understand that the idea of sacrifice uh, when at the time God declared him righteous? I believe that we have to read between the lines in the sense that I believe that, as it says in, in Galatians, that God preached the gospel to Abraham. Mm-hmm. I believe that it wasn't just, okay, well, let me say it this way, and forgive me, this isn't semantics, but if God just made Abraham a promise and Abraham believed it and that's how he would be saved, then wouldn't that be the way that everyone got saved? Mm-hmm. So I believe if we read between the lines, if we, take, if we look at Genesis 22 and we look at Genesis 3 and Genesis 15 and we look at this and we, and we reason this out and we think about what is actually being said here, it couldn't just have been a personal promise that Abraham believed. If that was the case, we would all just believe a personal promise. Okay, got so, it. No, no, yeah. and I'm not, no, don't no, stand no, on I, that. No, no, I'm, don't just take that. I, yeah. I'm just trying to say that yeah. if I read all of the different things about these events, I conclude that not only did he say you will have a seed, but, he, but I believe, like it says in Galatians, the gospel was preached to Abraham. In other words, your seed is going to be the savior of the world. It wasn't just you're going to have a seed. It was more specific. Not only are you going to have a seed, but he's going to be sacrificed and he's going to be raised from the dead. Here it says, very clear, accounting that God was able to raise Isaac from the dead, it was there that he received Christ in the figure. It doesn't say when he believed that he would have a seed, he received Christ in the figure, mm-hmm. right? I want everyone to think for themselves. I'm not just trying to say, hey, believe this and just right. say that's okay. With the, I'm just trying to say if I read everything that comes together, it wasn't just that he believed that a personal promise that God made. He, in other words, this. If your seed's going to be the, sac- the savior of the world and you believe that, doesn't it make sense that you should have the confident expectation that the seed is going to first be born? Right. Okay, so I think that's the way that those two are, again, married together. Oh, I, okay. Will you take the, will you take okay. the uh, microphone? I want to say that again, what I just said. No, I really appreciate that. That really clarifies it. Well, and again, I, let's all think for ourselves here. I, I, I just don't like to say, well, the preacher says it. I'm just telling you, this is in my, I've got to reconcile this in my head. Was it just a personal promise that he believed? Or was it the promise that his seed was going to be the savior of the world through a sacrifice? Well, if I... Am convinced if I'm Abraham and I'm convinced that that my that God is telling me that through my seed will come a sacrifice and that sacrifice will raise from the dead. Then, if I'm convinced of that, then I then I should have the confident expectation that the seed will first be born. In other words, that's what the hope part was. His expectation is that him and Sarah would conceive. Why? Because his faith was in the sacrifice and resurrection of this seed. Amen. It's been my experience that when God gives you a word and he speaks to you, he gives you the supernatural knowledge or knowing of whatever that word is that he gives you. So even though the Bible may not have the words, you know, exactly, Abraham knew, just like all the prophets knew exactly about Jesus. They knew all of those things. 
but it didn't happen in their lifetime. But they knew, and it gave them confidence, it gave them hope, it gave them faith, it gave them everything. They had faith in it because they got it from God. Amen. So they were able to walk out their lives, which were very difficult Amen. in certain areas, but they were able to do it because they had the supernatural knowing of God. Of, of yeah. God and, what his, and his plan of salvation. I want to just add that to It's it. all combined. It isn't just limited to one thing. God doesn't just give you a little piece if he's going to give you something massive like that and like telling him to sacrifice Isaac or whatever. Yeah. He gives you that knowing, the yes. fullness of it in your heart. Amen. I mean, he always has to me. Amen. I may not articulate it well, but in my heart, Amen. I'm secure. Amen. Hallelujah. Again, I want to go to Adam and Eve, the sacrifice of an animal and the covering for their righteousness, for their shame, right? We go right next to the next generation, Cain and Abel. Abel brings forth an offering that God is pleased with and says, this is what I'm looking for. And still to this day, we just saw in, in, in verse 4, right? We saw to this day that to this day, Abel's offering is, is speaking to us, that this is what God's looking for, a sacrifice. If God's looking for a sacrifice, we should be looking for a sacrifice. Amen. It goes down. That word, that's the word of God. Jesus, Jesus Christ and him crucified is the word that was in the beginning with God that God has been passing down from generation to generation. Jesus said, all of the scriptures testify of me. Amen. That's the word that Abraham showed it to Adam and Eve. They passed it to Cain and Abel, who passed it and passed it and passed it. We hear of Abraham. We see in Genesis 22, that's what uh, uh, we just read in Hebrews is referring to. Genesis 22 is that Abraham's convinced that God's going to raise Isaac from the dead. So he goes to sacrifice his son. He calls it worship. Praise God. And now it says, God says, now because you have done this thing and, and not withheld your son, your only son, now in this I will bless you. Amen? It wasn't, oh, now that you believe you're going to conceive, I will bless you. It was when he showed God that I am convinced you're going to raise Isaac from the dead. It's, that's when God stopped him and said, now in blessing I will bless you and in multiplying I will multiply your seed. Can I get an amen on that? It's, a, it's the evidence of trust. But I also want to say that Abraham had the same object of faith as we have. The sacrifice of the Messiah. Darby just alluded to it. Before the cross, they could just look to it. They didn't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. They had the influence of the Holy Spirit Amen. Coming over them at times, and particularly the prophets and things. But they didn't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Amen. But yet they looked afar off to this promise and these promises. Hallelujah. And they saw that God's plan of redemption would be a sacrifice, and specifically would be the sacrifice of his son. Hallelujah. So I don't know how, again, what I'm going to be, if I'm going to continue on next week with this. But I just again want to say that here's faith. When the things that you're confidently expecting become substance, that substance is the evidence of the event that you never saw, but yet believe, trust, rely, and depend on. Amen? Amen. That is the gospel. It, it is the gospel, very, very plain and simple. You know, Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 1.17, he says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should become of no effect. I mean, this, just right here in verse 18, defines the gospel. The message of the cross is the gospel. Now, I want to make sure that we're not, I, I love what you just said. 
the message of the cross is the message of God's love. Amen? It is the, the message of the cross is the message of God's grace. The message of the cross is the message of God's forgiveness. It's the message of God's mercy. It's the message of his goodness. It, the message of the cross, is declaring who God is. Hallelujah. The image, Jesus Christ and him crucified, who he is and what he's done. I'm not making the cross a wooden beam or I'm not making Jesus just a thing, an object. What he did is the thing that we trust in, the accomplished fact that we trust, rely, and depend on. It's very simple. This word preaching in verse 18 of 1 Corinthians is the word logos. The word of the logos. Logos, people say. It's, it's pronounced logos, but it, I'm not here to correct anybody. <laughs> For the logos, the word of the cross. The word of the cross is the word of God. It is the subject of the Bible. Amen. Amen. It, to them that perish, it's, it's foolishness, the, the message of the cross is. But to us that are being saved, it says in the literal translation, it, the message of the cross, the truth of who he is and what he's done, that alone is the power of God. Hallelujah. The power to heal, the power to bless, the power to save, the power to sanctify, the power to uh, have the influence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the power of, you name it, the power of God's salvation is who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Amen. Amen. You know, we're human beings, and man, we can fumble around on words and whatnot, but I hope that you got blessed today. I hope that there's a little bit more of a cementing with this faith and hope thing. Amen. And uh, if you already knew it, hopefully you grew a little bit more, and let's communicate this good word. And it doesn't need to be uh, confusing, but it's the, the, the cross is the starting point, and we need to grow on that. And I hope and I know that we in here can comprehend what we're saying and what we're hearing. Amen. And uh, this is what growing in Christ is. Knowing a little bit more and more about him and his sacrifice and the effect that God intends for that sacrifice to have on our life. Amen. I hope that our receivers are more receptive. Amen. And I want to pray right now. Can I do that, Father? In the name of Jesus, we all have needs here, uh, Father. Uh, Father, hallelujah, help us, help us, help us, because we need help, Father. We have the knowledge that we just have received here, Father. Help it uh, to, to permeate our heart, Lord, uh, so that that trust, so our trust, our reliance, our dependency can just that, be that much more deep, deeply rooted in your sacrifice. Thank you for your words, your witness, Father, that uh, thank you, Jesus, that you told us that when we believe on you, that we're actually literally believing in the Father, Thank you that there's a confidence in this room in that, in, the, in our hearts, Father, that we can be sure that when we're relying on this great sacrifice, that we're relying on you, God, and, 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 re, and we're relying on your power. Hallelujah. Help us to walk in this. Father, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, we just receive in this room, all have different needs, but we receive those needs. Hallelujah. Through this faith, through this confident expectation, through this hope, Father, Hallelujah, Father. In Jesus' name, we receive what you have for us. We wait patiently. Hallelujah. Help us to not get our eyes off of the cross. Help, help us uh, to, to not let this hope, this confident expectation fade, Father. 
Help us to know that there's an assurance that you promised it and it will affect us, Lord. Hallelujah. Help us to keep our eyes on the cross. Help us to continue to trust, rely, and depend on this great, great sacrifice. You paid such a great price. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We receive what you have for us in Jesus' name. We praise you for it in Jesus' name. We worship you for it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have hearts to receive. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Amen.